Podcast. A very good evening to you and welcome to The Law Report. My name is Michael Mutuning. Bill, it's good to be with you this Wednesday evening. We Once again, we cover a topic of law. And this evening, uh, we're talking about something that has been pretty much dominating um, uh, conversations across all forms of media. And that is the trial um, against uh, uh, Pastor Omotoso. And, uh, and, and of course, this trial is, is, is you know, presents itself different things and 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 there are there was a lot of lot of moments even as a lawyer where you're sort of you know would be would, would sort of scratching your head and thinking what's happening and 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 that sort of sparked the thought in my mind at least to say if 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 i'm getting the sense what might the afropolitan be thinking about what is happening um uh, insofar as the trial itself and i and i know for for example we talk a lot about um, issues of encouraging women to report sexual assault, rape, violence against them, and 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 does this trial um, encourage that? Does that trial sort of you know you as 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 a, as an Afropolitan at home watching this? Are you sort of encouraged by the um, uh, uh, the evidence of, for example, uh, Ms. Cheryl Zondi? Um, and, and interestingly, you know, uh, arguably also uh, an act of heroism in the sense that how she just presents it herself in, in, that, in, in that courtroom against um, um, uh, the, 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 the lawyer. So that's our show tonight where we, we sort of trying to get a few lawyers around the table, get you the Afropolitan to say, call in and, and let us know what you think. Let us know whether you know you'd be encouraged to report a, 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 a case if, if you if you find in a, yourself in a situation where you needed to report the case uh, but also what do you make of of the lawyer give us your thoughts the number to dial 86 i'm joined um in studio by 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 two lawyers whom i i know you're very well familiar with uh, uh, advocate james grant um uh, he's a he's a criminal criminal lawyer, and um, um, <laughs> uh, and and it's not just you because I think we the three of us and we should probably uh, the three of us were were, were very much uh, active in the in the in the uh, Oscar Pistorius trial. But uh, Mr. Grant, good evening to you and welcome. Evening, evening to your listeners. And also quite a, a familiar voice or a familiar face, uh, Mr. Tyron Maseko from Maseko Attorneys. Uh, Mr. Maseko, good evening and welcome. Good evening, Michael and Womkaya. Uh, so, 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 Afropolitan. I got, I got you some really cool lawyers in the studio, and um, and I and I do look forward to to having a conversation um, uh, with you. And if you want to have a, a ventilator voice, some of your concerns that you may have, do give us a call, um, and and we're quite happy to deal to deal with any questions that you might have. But also joined on the line by by uh, Miss Lisa Vetten. Uh, she's uh, with the Vitz City Institute, University of of, of Uh Lisa, good evening, and thank you so much for joining us. Good evening, good evening, Michael. Thanks very much, and good evening to your listeners. Thank you. Um, all right, so that's our show. Um, I've got uh, some some awesome lawyers. I also have uh, Lisa on the line, and 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 really the discussion tonight is is around the trial of of um, uh, Mr. Omotoso, and and that is the the case of, of various acts of sexual assault um, um, against against a variety of of women, most of whom we are here yet to to hear about. Let me let me just pick up. Um, um, uh, this show and, and I want to just start the show really with a clip because I think for a lot of people 
a lot of people, you know, like myself, we know we're not sitting and, and watching this trial every day. And just to sort of give some of the shocking experiences, um, or I, I shouldn't say shocking because then I, I also look forward to your point of view. You might have a point of view that there's nothing shocking about it. But here's some of the things that, that have caused South Africa to, to talk. Right. And the next important sentence. He didn't insert his penis in my vagina, but was very close. He was rubbing it with his penis. Did you say that to the police officer, ma'am? Yes, that's the that, exact same thing I told you earlier today. No, ma'am. That's not what you said earlier on. You said early on he inserted his penis into your vagina. Was that not your evidence? Maybe we should read the sentence again. All right, let's read it again. He didn't insert his penis in my vagina, but was very close. He was rubbing it with his penis. What does that say to you? In that, relation to my explanation earlier. It's not going to help to try and be clever and ask questions. I'm not trying to be clever. I am clever. Thank you. Yes. Yes. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> uh, <so laughs> It's it's a tough job to be, to be a lawyer sometimes, but <laughs> oh. uh, especially um, when 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 you have uh, you know when you have to cross examine um, uh, somebody uh, like Ms. Sony. But let, let's pick up here um, the 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 line of questioning. Um, uh, what do you make of it, uh, uh, Grant? I, I think the first thing that needs to be said is that cross-examination is is um, a skill and an art, and it can so backfire. And um, I, I think that uh, this might be one of those cases where it did on several occasions. Miss mm. um, Zondi turned out to be an incredibly steadfast witness. Um, and I think even in the questioning, uh, he might have in fact included even uh, a confession mm. in one of his questions asking whether uh, she had consent or she was agreeable to the rape. Mm. Which, yes. Which yes. puts a version of his client to the effect that she had been, uh, he, he, he con confesses to the rape, but he was asking if she was okay with it, which is, it just shows you how, how difficult uh, cross-examination can be and how easily you can stumble over the line. Yes. Um, that particular line of questioning, I think I need to say, could also have crossed the line in terms of relevance. The law on rape is fairly straightforward. If there's any degree of penetration, any degree whatsoever, there's rape. Yes. Um, and so any degree of questioning beyond that would fall into the category of irrelevance. Yes. And the rules are fairly straightforward. Relevance is your basic principle. The next principle is not to ask gratuitous or insulting questions. Um, and I suppose I'll leave it to your listeners to make up their minds after I'm, that. I'm in conversation with James Grant. Uh, he's an advocate uh, specializing in criminal law, as well as Tyron Maseko, attorney at uh, Maseko Attorneys, as well as Lisa Vetten. And, and I want to just, you know, come back to, to, to you, James. Um, uh, and, 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 and really some of the concerns that I have is what is, what is actually being charged? Because you use the word rape and, and I see in the media there's, there's use of the word um, sexual assault. Mm. 
um, uh, what is what is in dispute here? What is the issue or the allegation here? And and uh, when, after dealing with that, is what is the difference between rape and sexual assault, if at all there is? So the real line would simply be drawn at whether there was penetration or yeah. not, and. Um, it's. I, I haven't had the the chance to to follow the the trial closely, but it, it seems to me that his defence is not that there was not penetration, but mm. that there was consent. Mm. Now, if that's the defence, I say if mm. if that's the defence, then whether there was penetration and the degree of penetration is irrelevant. Sure. Uh, what is sexual assault? Sexual assault would be where you touch somebody on what the law calls an erogenous zone. So breasts, bum, genitals, uh, if you touch someone anywhere there, if you rub them, that would be an assault. And, and, and you remember, you know, the, the Criminal Procedure Act provides for indecent assault. And I'm just trying to connect here because, because you know, just to give this advocate some benefit of a doubt to say perhaps, you know, the inquiry is not rape. And, 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 and of course, this case is, is, is particularly complex because there's another dimension I, I want to bring in. Assuming, and, and, and of course, speaking for myself, the media reports are sexual assault. And I was just wondering whether mm. are they not intending to talk about uh, in, indecent assault? Okay, so the concept of sexual assault came from America. Mm. We used to have the concept in South Africa of indecent assault. Mm. Uh, ultimately, they really mean the same thing. And when the law changed uh, by virtue of the Sexual Offences Amendment Act around about oh, 2007, I think, mm. we then adopted the American terminology of a sexual assault, which is an indecent assault. Uh, just those two words, sexual and indecent, being used interchangeably. Um, our law was effectively codified. So it used to be, it used to be judge-made law, mm. um, and it's now been both, both sexual, sorry, in, both indecent assault as it was then, which has now become sexual assault, and rape has now been codified so that we now have it in a statute which sets out what the rules are but mm. the, the 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 basic concept hasn't changed terribly much mm. and 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 you know tyron just to bring you um in here and and i, I indicated that there was quite a, a dimension that i i found to be of interest because the allegation of of the assault uh, appears to have happened when cheryl zondi was 14. And when I was sort of contemplating this, it, it would seem to me that that age, that age, of course, there's continuation. But the fact that it started at 14, that in and of itself would, would bear significance. Well, yes. I mean, what I find interesting is that I have, personally haven't seen the charge sheet in this matter. But, you know, having practiced in the court, you can sort of surmise what uh, the prosecution would want to put forward as a possible charge in this matter and I say charge but really is charges so I wouldn't be surprised if pri primarily so the primary charge would be one of rape and an alternative count of indecent assault and to the extent that the allegation is that these incidences started well they occurred initially when the complainant was 14 mm. then you still have the possibility of statutory rape there yes because you know that's what i was leading you yeah. to what does that mean what does statutory rape mean? well i mean essentially what it, the, the only difference there is to it is that 
people who and as far as i can recall and it changes all the time is you are, if you are a woman is under the age of 17 then they yeah you're right that it changes what, what do, you, do you have the right age I, I, in my head it's 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 18 if you are older yeah, well, with, yeah, yeah without getting into the complexities yeah. of between... <laughs> I'm just trying to get help yeah, because, because minors, this is radio. So so if, 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 if somebody, okay, so we'll yeah. look it up because, you well, know, if you're yeah, listening, but in this instance, we, want to make, mm. we want to make the Afropolitans many lawyers by the end of the show. <laughs> yes. but <laughs> so, I mean, so we'll check that. Yeah, but the essential difference being that uh, statutory rape only applies when you are dealing with, let's say, in this, an adult yes. having sex with a minor. Well, yes. I say a minor, but someone who would be below uh, the age that we're about to correct. verify. Yes. Now, in that instance, it doesn't matter if the, and I think it can only be a female, you can't have statutory rape. You can. You can. It's you penetration. Can, penetration, yep. right. So, if the minor uh, cannot, let's put it this way, the minor cannot consent to, legally cannot consent to sex at that age with an adult. Yes. So it doesn't matter. And there's a significant difference with rape when you're dealing with uh, majors is that if any one of them, if you're dealing with majors, one can consent. But and, and a major is somebody who's, who's above the age of 18. Correct. So if the allegation or the defense were to be, well, when she was 14 years of age, she actually consented to the sex. Well, it doesn't matter. It matters very little because yeah. it's still be statutory rape because legally they cannot, uh, they don't have the capacity to consent to uh, sexual intercourse. Spot on. Let me bring um, Lisa Vettin um, in here. And, and, and Lisa, you know, so, so you know, on, on this show, one of the things that we, we always endeavor to do is to encourage women and victims of, of sexual and, and gender-based violence to, to report matters and to come out. And, 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 and I just wanted to get a sense of your assessment of this trial and, and its impact on, on, on the cause of, of what we've been trying to do. I think there are two ways to look at it. I think for many women and girls, watching that is chilling. The yes. Sort of being exposed in that way and being taken apart in that way can be a real disincentive to go and report. Mm. But I think there's also another way to look at it, and that is to see how well Cheryl Zondi has stood up to this. Yes. And for me, part of what this indicates is two things. Number one, she's had preparation. Mm-hmm. So somebody, presumably the prosecutor, has sat down with her and given her a bit of a sense of what's going to happen and how to deal with it. And I also have the sense, including in the blog she wrote, that she has had some counselling, which is also very helpful in terms of of dealing with cross-examination. Because cross-examination is difficult, and one of the things that the defence attorney is trying to do is to make you emotional, so that you become confused, so that you make concessions, but most of all, so that you start to doubt yourself. Yes. And a little bit of counselling can help take that edge off the difficulty of having to stand up and recount something that was frightening, humiliating and deeply painful. So my sense is that one if one look if one watches what Cheryl is doing, you can it is a bit of a primer in how to stand up to cross examination. Mm. And I think it is important to be able to give women and girls or men and boys a sense that it is a very un- it is unpleasant, but it's not something that can't be combated mm. so so one of the things that you, you've mentioned which which i think um, um stood out for me was the issue of counseling and and you know is it your assessment for example that she was able to display the kind of courage that she displayed because 
she enjoyed the she had the benefits of counseling and and, and preparation for this yes i think she done a lot of hard and difficult work mm. um around what is a very very difficult experience mm. um and i think it helps i mean i think there are also some situations where i think even with counseling some women this, it's still too traumatizing and then you may really have to look at the option of allowing somebody to testify, the, uh, to bring an application to allow them to testify via closed circuit television mm. because they are simply too frightened of the person. So I think you always have to look at your complainant and think with her what would be in her best interest. Mm. And you know, you can, you can sometimes see, especially when it comes to children, your better prosecutors will work with a counseling agency who can assess whether or not the child has now reached a point where they're ready for cross-examine, whether they're ready to go to court and testify, whether they need a little bit more time. Because, mm. you, you, you know, cross-examination is hard enough as it is. You don't put somebody through a process like this if it's going to destroy and damage them in, in significant ways. Yeah. And, 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 and you know, so when I, when I looked at this, and, and even if you look at the, or we had a, you know, listen to the clip that we just played, it, 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 in 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 many ways, it, it appears as if, and and there's there's another clip which which I'll play. It appears as if um, the person that is supposed to be cross-examined stood her ground in 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 many respects, and arguably has has sort of the won the 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 challenge, mm. if if you can call it that, um, mm. of 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 dominance and and you know, um, and 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 I, and, I, and, I, and I just wondering whether you know is that on its own because I think I think. You know, we, we one can't deny that having to stand up and face your rapist is 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 difficult, and having to report and go through that process that many women describe as being itself of going to the police, reporting, and that whole process uh, for some has been um, in and of itself uh, sort of uh, unpleasant. Now, having now seen how it culminates, you know, I always sort of talk about the light at the end of the bridge, how. All of that trauma, all of the reporting and the steps that she's taken culminate into where these things come to the fore. Um, uh, Would my assessment to say perhaps more people would be encouraged to come forward, would my assessment have some form of accuracy? Yes and no. I mean, I think, if I think of some of the women I've spoken to in the last while about this, some of them are seeing that have said, I would never report if this happened to me. Mm. Whereas Mm. there are others who feel, you know, okay, and I must say, Cheryl Zondi is unusual, but she's not unique. I spent about a year um, in different courts in Gauteng mm. observing rape trials. And there are women, and I would even say they are children as well, mm. who do a very good job under cross-examination. Mm. So I think it's, it's useful to try to encourage complainants to look to their strengths. Because mm. if you do get through it, it can be quite an empowering experience to know that you've done that. But again, you always have to look really carefully at who you're dealing with because there are unquestionably some women who you're going to do major harm to. Indeed, but indeed. Let's take a break and when we come back, we continue our chats analyzing the trial of uh, Mr. Omotoso and two others. Know your rights, know the law. The Law Report with Michael Matuening Bill. Welcome back. We continue our chat analyzing the trial of uh, Omotoso. Um, and, and particularly the uh, testimony of, of Ms. Cheryl Zondi, who, who um, in, in, in my little circle has 
um, certainly uh, emerged as as quite a star and, and and a champion for 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 her cause, but also the, the general cause. And and I'm in conversation with Lisa Vetten, and she's with the Vets Institute for Social and Economic Research, as well as advocate James Grant uh, and uh, Tyron Maseko, who's an attorney at Maseko Incorporated. So before we went in a break, gentlemen, I, I you know just ha- at the back of of what. Uh, Lisa was saying, or Lisa and I were chatting about about the 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 stardom demonstrated by Cheryl in terms of how she just conducted herself, and 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 I was just wondering, is that the bar for for you as somebody who wants to report a case? You know, is it necessary that you come out as strongly as as she did and and as well as she did? Um, uh, because in my head, I'm wondering whether does everybody have, have to be that good to be able to get herself justice? No, no. Yeah. Uh, the simple answer is no. All that is expected of a witness is to take the stand, listen to the question and answer the question as best as you can mm. and as honestly as you can. Now, people have different styles and there really shouldn't be uh, styles that were when it comes to witness testimony. Um, I mean, I cannot explain it any more simpler than that. That's all that it is. You just yeah. have to answer the question as best as you can. Where you don't know, where you, if you don't know, you simply tell the presiding officer that you don't know. Where you've got a straight answer, you give an answer. If you need to explain, you explain. And if mm. a yes, simple yes or no will suffice, then you give a simple yes or no. It's when witnesses try to get into um, a battleground, uh, some gamesmanship with, with counsel, which you can understand in certain circumstances, they're human beings too. They get frustrated, it gets tiring. You can have the same question posed to you many times and one can get frustrated. You can appreciate that, but you've got the presiding officer to deal with that. And then yes. Grant will go into, uh, James will go into relevance and the like, you know, when we're dealing with cross-examination, but cross-examination is not easy. But for a witness, all you have to do is answer as best as you can. The outcome of a case is really not up to you. Mm. Yeah, if I can just back back that up. Um, uh, courts are by their very nature set up to be the most intimidating and terrifying places. and Not you, deliberately, I hope. No, ab- absolutely <laughs> deliberately. You'll find in the evidence books that they explain why this is the case. And the reason why is because you're supposed to be terrified into telling the truth. Deliberately. So they're supposed to be intimidating places to be in the first place so that you wouldn't dare to lie. Now here's the here's here's the the other side of it. Of course, if you're going in there only to tell the truth, then you have nothing to worry about. And the strange thing is, that telling the truth is far easier than trying to lie. Yes. Uh, if you think through your story before you go in, mm. your version, and you make sure that you're clear about what happened. Um, just to refresh your memory, mm. you go in and you stick to your version, you stick to your truth. Mm. You can't be shaken. It's yes. when you try and replace part of your truth with some alternative, mm. you, sh- you, you have to shift a whole bunch of other things in reality, mm. right? Or in that parallel world that you've created so that that lie makes sense. Mm. And then you've got to be able to remember how that world has shifted Okay, and you've got to be able to explain those shifts from different angles. The human mind is actually not capable of doing it. And that's the reason why cross-examination is so effective is because under cross-examination, the cross-examiner is able to come at the same point from different angles when the person doesn't expect that that's what's actually being asked now. And if you're lying, you will most likely be, you will trip up. Yeah, you you know, and and just to back 
back up what you're saying. In my whole career as a lawyer, mm. there's only one witness that I thought I, I sort of was ineffective with. In other words, I, I didn't, you know, I came out of there and I felt I was ineffective as a lawyer in my whole career. And, and, and to your point, James, she, when she didn't know an answer, she says, I don't know. That's great. And when she didn't see something, she says, I didn't see it. Yep. But what she did see, she said, oh, no, that I saw. Yep. And, and she was so factual it, yeah. that there, there were no opportunities to trap her, test her. You know, what she didn't know, she didn't try to boost the case and make it any stronger. Yeah. And, yeah. and I want to pick up from that point because I then want to throw it back to counsel. If you as counsel and you're asking a witness and you're posing questions, you're cross-examining a witness who's like that, at what point should you reasonably be able to make that assessment that the witness is that effective, the witness is a good witness, witness, you've asked all the fair questions that you could put to the witness and readily accept that it is what it is. Yeah. Because I've got a difficulty when counsel, when we enter into the realm of um uh, you know, wearing wearing down a witness yes uh, simply you can tell when a person because you, you end up asking irrelevant questions yes. just to get them confused like it is quite clear when you get to a point that well you know what the substance has been drawn out here. I've exhausted, I've, I've exhausted it. Let me move on. I don't need to make an impression with my clients yeah. as and, to how much time I would have spent yes. cross-examining because yes. you're simply wasting their court's time. Yes. That's where I've, uh, I start having a problem with, with counsel and cross-examiners. I yeah. mean, that is totally unwarranted and something we should not be doing. And then it raises the question of, well, what is the role of the presiding officer when that is taking place? Because I, and it is what I fear has happened in this instance is that the, the uh, counsel has been allowed to to keep going and keep going and keep going without necessarily adding anything valuable to the record uh to a point where the presiding officer now is tempted to to intervene and say well is there a point to this now you know we've exhausted this but at the same time they are wary of this threat of descending into the arena yes because counsel has gone there and we've seen it ultimately with the application to, uh uh for him to recuse himself so yes. well you know, and and that's i think where the challenge and the difficulty is lies for all the parties i mean should pre, uh, presiding officers be more forthright and actually say well counsel i think we've we've gone around the houses now Make your point. Are you going somewhere? And if you are going somewhere, get there quickly. Yes. And otherwise, let's move on. Mm-hmm. And that's to be fair to it. It's being fair to the witness as well. And it's in the interest of justice. And not to be fearful, simply that uh, you'll be taken on appeal or you'll be asked to recuse yourself. Yeah. Judges are certainly empowered to call counsel or attorneys to order and say, look, where are you going with this? Yeah. Uh, and they, they're empowered to do so by virtue of provisions in the Criminal Procedure Act, say, I'm sorry, but you really seem to be just dragging this on, and that's the test. Are you just dragging this on needlessly? And at that point, I, I want you to upfront explain to me the relevance of this, and if you can't, then uh, change your line. And, and, and perhaps the, the other thing is, um, as, as a witness, remember that if it's a criminal trial as a witness, there's a prosecutor that's representing the state, yep. and they'll argue. You know, so just you know, and and I find that a lot of a lot of uh, people who are on the stand and succumb to cross examination are ones that are trying to take the lawyer's job or the prosecutor's job. I want to I want to play another clip, and 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 this is the second of three clips. Um, uh, listen to this for a moment. 
put it to you, ma'am, that you are fabricating your evidence. Wow. The version that you gave the police is different in material respects from what you have told the court. In other words, ma'am, I put it to you that you are lying about what happened to you. With all due respect, that's one of the most absurd things I've ever heard in my life. I'm saying with all due respect, that is one of the most absurd things I've ever heard in my life. I don't know how this man thinks I can't remember what happened to me. I was there. It's not a question of not remembering. It's a question of adapting your version and fabricating your version. That's what you have done. If you understand what trauma is in your field work, I'm sure you're very familiar with that. Trauma involves a lot of remembering and flashbacks and trying to forget things that happened to you. And I'm not trying to sound weak. That's just what happened to me. I didn't want to remember what that man did to me. But there's no question that he did it multiple times. So, 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 you know, two things and, and two questions emerge for me here. One is, can you say to somebody you're cross-examining that they're lying? Can you call somebody a liar? You, you know what, Michael? Um, let me respond this way. When I listen to this clip, the very first question that's asked, I, I believe, is inappropriate. Mm. I'll tell you why. It's inappropriate in the sense that, and call it a question or uh, submission, is that it is so general and so open-ended. To mm. say to a witness that, well, you know, um, accuse them of lying and saying that they are tailoring evidence, they're changing their version, well, the question itself is not precise. Is, is the assertion that everything that you've said your entire testimony is actually a lie mm. and is different from what you stated uh, in your affidavit versus what you're telling the court. Because to the extent that you, you're accusing a witness of tailoring or lying, mm. well, then be specific. Yes. Specify which parts you say they are lying about. And in order to do that uh, properly, you mm. then have to, you have to take them through the evidence where you say, well, you, here, you, here you said X. Now you're saying why. And in fact, and you got to, as I understand the law, you got to do more than that. Mm. Before you can accuse them of, of lying, and I'll answer your question, Derek, now. Yes. You got to put your client's version to them. Yes. Because that's where the lie comes up. You yeah. gotta, it, it, it cannot be, one cannot go around and simply say, well, it's not true, it's not true, it's not true. To the extent that you say it's not true, put up a version which uh, your client also, to the extent that if they take the stand, will be cross-examined uh, cross on it. So you have to put up your client's version. Can't simply say that I'm lying. But you, you know, and 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 I take your point, and 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 the, the 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 concern though is just the word. I mean, it's one thing to say you've tailored your evidence and maybe use decent words that are, but to say to somebody, you're lying, um, and remember that 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 is in itself a, a, a very strong statement, and and surely there, there must be rules in terms of which. You know, you, you must at least have established something before you can call somebody a liar. Yes. I mean, if I come to the stand and, and, and I'm a neighbor and I saw something next door and I come to testify and I walk in a courtroom and a lawyer says to me, you're a liar. Yeah. 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 And before James answers it, I just want to qualify with this. There's a difference between accusing someone of lying mm. 
and someone of misstating facts or simply simply making a false statement and it's to your point yeah there's a huge difference so when you accuse someone of lying you essentially it's saying that uh, they're, dishonest. They're, they're dishonest and yeah. it's intention so there's a part you know yeah in fact you know that the statement that you're making is false yes and that's when it becomes a lie yeah it's difficult, I, I think, to uh, call what we heard now inappropriate, given that we didn't hear what happened before. Mm. He might have, in, in fairness, yeah. uh, I'm taking account of what Tyrone has just said, he might have led up to that. And as a conclusion, that's what we might have heard but, at the beginning. But what are the rules of the game? And maybe even just generally okay. speaking, what are the... So, yeah. so let me say that, let, let me, let, let's assume that he did build up properly then. Mm. Are you allowed to say what he did say? The answer is yes. Mm. And the line would be, the, there's a difference between calling someone a liar or saying to them that you are lying on that point mm. or you're lying on this point or you're lying, lying about this whole thing. Mm. That's different. Yeah. And, 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 and Lisa, to bring you back in, uh, if, if I may, uh, and, and, and this issue, you know, these, these types of questions where you're a liar, you're lying and, and all of those things um, uh, and, and having been involved in, 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 in the space of, of, of violence and, and as an, ac- an activist in the, in the area, You know, is there something we should be doing as lawyers um, to to ensure that there's a safe space created for for women and people that have been the subject of gender-based violence so that we, in a courtroom uh, that James described as intentionally designed, I'm just, you know, uh, to be intimidating, to not actually inflict secondary uh, trauma or whatever one might want to call it. I mean, I think there are different ways to think about this. Firstly, I think a lot of cross-examination is extremely tactical, mm. with all due respect to your legal guests. Mm. Some of it don't border on a kind of psychological warfare. Mm. You know, to, call, to tell somebody that they, if you have somebody on the stand who's not terribly confident, for example, mm. and you start telling them that they're lying mm. or that their version, they're not saying this and they're not saying that, it becomes quite easy for somebody who may not have that much confidence in themselves even though, and it's nonetheless telling the truth, to start wondering if maybe they're, I mean, this is a very common thing in interrogation, mm. to start doubting themselves. And if you keep on hit, hammering away at that question over and over again, and the answer is not, you know, giving the, the witness the impression that this is not a satisfactory answer, they will doubt themselves and they will start, t- and they may well start saying, well, now I don't know, now I'm not mm. sure, now I don't remember, which, was, which is really not accurate. The cross-examination, I think, doesn't necessarily always get at the truth mm. because it uses tactics that may confuse and undermine people who may not be that confident or, 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 that, or, or that articulate for, yeah. for, um, for that matter. Yeah. And I think one of the things that we talked about as those who work in this space when the Law Reform Commission was looking at reforming this law mm. was whether we shouldn't introduce a much more inquisitorial approach. Okay. Um, where the... Firstly, you would reduce the kind of cross-examination that is going on. Mm-hmm. You, would give, you would give your um, presiding officer somewhat of a greater role in asking questions in order for them to be able to come to some sort of determination of what may have happened. You might also want to introduce something like an ancillary prosecutor. Because mm. you know, there are all the prosecutors there to represent the state, not necessarily the complainant. Mm. Whereas if you had a second prosecutor, that would be specifically their role. They would be there to be the equivalent of the complainant's lawyer to object to inappropriate cross-examination and the like. 
And I think you've also got to look very carefully at the appropriateness of, of, of cross-examination when you're dealing with children or people yes. with intellectual disabilities. You are putting them at a grave disadvantage, expecting them to answer on adult terms. But, so but uh, with children, isn't there yeah, yeah. sort of a separate, provision? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, separate, so, so maybe uh, deal with that, Tyron. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, so, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, that's a separate category altogether. There are protections there. Mm. But what I'm interested in is this, and I think uh, I'm going to push back a little bit here, and I'll tell you why. Is, and it's playing devil's advocate in a sense, because I, I don't want a legal system that when we're dealing with victims of or complainants of sexual assault and rapes and the like, that is, before the trial even gets underway, the system then is already leaning one way uh, or in, instead of the other. I still want the system to be neutral. And what I mean by that is I'm opposed to, I'm not going to be popular for this, but there's a very good reason for it. I'm opposed to a system which starts to treat Let's, for lack of a better word for now, let's work with victims of sexual assault. Essentially, you're dealing with a complainant here. And the legal system is, in, is intended to uncover the truth. And cross-examination is very effective in uncovering the truth. I don't believe that we should have a separate, separate rules of cross-examination for uh, complainants of sexual assault. And the reason being that an accused is also presumed to be innocent, and we still need to remember that. And so when we make it easier for witnesses or complainants in sexual assault cases, then what you're effectively doing is you're making it very difficult for an accused to um, uh, <laughs> prove the, the innocence is not the word, mm. but to, to adduce escapultry factors. You <laughs> uh, you'll excuse me. <laughs> I can't find the, the, the simple words at the moment. But but in essence, I still want cross-examination to be robust because yes. I believe that if you've got a witness who's totally honest and they've got yeah. nothing to worry about. I, I get you. And maybe also to be clear to the Afropolitan, you're not saying it's not robust now. You're saying the reform that, that, that um, Lisa is talking about would would present that risk. So my whittle it yeah. down and make it yeah. slightly easier for complainants. Sure. So they must still feel that pressure. Sure. I got you. You wanted to come in, James? I just wanted to... to possibly take a middle ground um, mm. because I, I absolutely agree that we have to continue with the presumption of innocence. We have to allow an accused person to defend themselves mm. and to ask all relevant questions. Yes. However, when you're dealing with a sexual offense uh, victim, you're dealing with somebody whose nerves are already raw. And I don't see the reason why we can't use the same system that is in place to protect children, which is to the use of intermediaries. And, and explain that, because that, that was my follow-up question. So, yeah. you know, before you complete your point, maybe um, uh, digress a little bit yeah, to deal to say, specifically sure. with that. So, in the case of children, they're regarded as vulnerable witnesses, and they are permitted to have the question put by the, let's say, accused person, mm to a person who is appointed as an intermediary who then takes that question and translates it into basic language and asks it in a neutral tone. Yes. So that you don't have this tendency to engage in an aggressive uh, sort of attack with the victim. Now, children are protected that way. Regrettably, that same... And and, and just to add Mm. to, to, to what you're saying, not only that, but the, uh, the, the lawyer and the accuser would be in a different room from the child. In other words, the, they'd be sitting in a courtroom and the child would be put in a, in a yes. different and child-friendly yes. room. So, yes. so that child would be 
with the intermediary only yes. in a room. Yeah. Although what I'm contemplating might not require and what Lisa might uh, contemplate might not require that the the victim is removed and placed in a different room. Yeah. Um, it might still be possible for the victim to be in the same courtroom, but that the questions are at least filtered through an intermediary. And, and one understands that readily insofar as... Um, um, insofar as children, and I, and I think it invites no debate why that is important because it it, it would be um, undesirable to see uh, Advocate Doverman cross-examining mm. a child, mm. and not not that I think that um, uh, uh, Ms. Zondi is very old. Uh, you know, she's just become of of, of age. Uh, 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 but would that not, to Tyron's point, if you then created an intermediary thing, would that not? reduced the value and impact of of the cross-examiner in other words if my question has to be translated it's almost like you know uh, 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 a priest in a church where you know you you say something powerful in in zulu and somebody translates it in sutu and it's mild well that's the point uh, the point is not to catch the person out by virtue of shouting at them not 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 well, <laughs> my, my example well, sorry, my, if, my yeah, example made you lose well lose you the know, real here's question. my difficulty with it james is that the way i look at it is that even in the present regime we've got rules and i think those rules are adequate let's why not use the the current rules that we have that apply to cross-examination to limit the badgering and otherwise inappropriate uh, line of questioning or irrelevant questioning. We, those rules already exist. Enforce those. I don't think that we need to necessarily create another layer of protection, protectionism. I want to take a break. And, and, and Lisa, I, I look forward to, yeah. to, to you know, uh, Tyron said he's going to push back and, and I'd like you to also have an opportunity if, you, if you'd like it to, to push back and probably just ventilate your position um, in relation to, to what we've just heard. We're back after this. Know your rights, know the law. The Law Report with Michael Matuening Bill. 15 minutes before 9 o'clock, we continue our discussion. I'm in conversation with Tyron Maseko. Uh, he's an attorney. Um, uh, uh, James Grant, he's an advocate. And both uh, have a special interest in, in criminal law. And also Lisa uh, Vetten, uh, who's with the Vitz Institute for Social and Economic Research. Uh, Lisa, you know, you, you heard sort of the pushback and the middle ground um, in, in uh, relation to the reforms that you described, um, you know, uh, would you, you know, uh, particularly in relation to what is then put, whether you know our law, nothing needs to change, insofar as that is concerned. What's your position? And 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 perhaps uh, I'm giving you an opportunity, as opposed to to to, to speak for yourself. Sorry, sorry, Lisa. The line is bad. Let's try again. Um. I think there we go. I do think elements of cross-examination do need to change. Yeah. I think if you look, what are the key... Oh, I'm afraid the line is bad. Um, and yeah, so, okay, we've actually even lost Lisa. So, but we'll try to get her back. I want to play this clip. And, and um, uh, uh, one of the things that it, it, it sort of presents is to this topic again about how far can you go, how far can you not go. But you'll also get uh, an education in case you need one. Listen to this. 
You place this five penis on your clitoris, yes. which is just above your vaginal opening, not so. Yes, and he pushed it downwards. He pushed it downwards. Yes, and upwards and downwards. And upwards. So he rubbed his penis on your clitoris. He rubbed his penis on my vagina, yes. On your vagina or your clitoris? Listen, if you know the vagina, yes. on the clitoris and he was rubbing it up and down. Ma'am, I can assure you I'm not enjoying this. I'm sure you're not. Yes, Mr. Chopin. So you rubbed his penis up and down your clitoris. And between my thighs. And between your thighs. Look, when you refer to between your thighs, you're not referring to your... To your so I, you know, I think the the lawyer got dealt some education there. Um, but 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 you know, on a serious note, the talking where we started, going back to where we started talking about relevance, mm. and how does this the these lines of questioning, and 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 also the graphic nature, you know, and and perhaps that's not objectionable. Um, in and of itself, but I just for Afropolitans listening and saying, "Geez, you know." Yeah, I mean, I'm totally honest. Uh, considering that we're dealing with a criminal case, I'm less concerned about the graphic nature, but I'm seriously concerned about the relevance. And for this reason, is we're dealing with, as I understand it, a case of rape and probably other alternative uh, and competent verdicts. So the ex. <laughs> Whether it's a penetration of the vagina, the clitoris, and however you put it, it matters not. It's immaterial. Any one of them qualifies. And so it then becomes irrelevant as to exactly how yeah. they act. But I mean, okay. I mean so isn't, isn't the funny thing that even Zondi was pointed out? What's the difference? Well, yeah, and then you know, then, you know, and then. You, but I mean, I mean, that's not. Sex well, it raises education, this question, yeah. right? But I mean, it, but, raise, but, I mean, it raises let, this question. Let me, let me ask you this. Officer. Let me ask you this. Yeah. I mean, uh, quite clearly, um, there were so gaps. But let's take it, and 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 take it that rape means penetration. Yes. And and that that and and now the the allegation is and and, and and let's park there, but because it did go up to the vagina, and and that's an issue, right? But let's assume. For argument's sake, it stopped at between the thighs. Would that have been rape, or no. or, or would that have been a criminal offence? As I understand it, uh, indecent assault. So if there's no penetration, then it becomes indecent assault. That's correct. Yes. Spot. So then that line of questioning would be relevant. Right now, now let's then assume that it goes as as Zoni described it, and it makes contact with the with the vagina. Yes. And 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 if you listen to this clip. He goes on to inquire about centimeters, which was, which the prosecutor objected to, to say how would you know she's not sitting there and measuring yeah. to what extent it it, it went in. Yeah. But let's assume that that up to the vagina and it it touches the vagina, yes. and and short of actual penetration, yes. what what then does well, the charge it becomes, become? It becomes, Can it then become yes. rape? Well, it becomes an arguable point. Then it becomes a question of law, right? As to. Uh, the difference, you know, in terms of requirements of penetration, what constitutes penetration? Uh, how far in should it go? Should it go in? Is it Is it good enough that it merely makes contact with just the uh, the outer edges of the vagina? Yeah. Sitting here, I honestly don't have the answer. 
James? Can I just give you yes, some correction on Yes, Thanks for jumping anatomy. in. I, I didn't see that you were back. Yeah. No, can I just make some correction here on female anatomy? There's a difference between legal penetration and medical penetration. Yes. So in law, as far as I understand it, one need only go beyond the labia. The vagina is an internal organ. You would, it would be very difficult for you to know whether or not how far within somebody has gone. Mm. As far as I understand it, you need only go beyond the labia. How deep, how much further you go beyond is really irrelevant and immaterial. And I think that's the kind of questioning that yes. is designed to humiliate. Mm. Because I quite frankly cannot think of a single woman who's going to tell whoever she's having sex with to please stop so that she can take out his penis and she can measure how deeply it went. Mm. It's a ridiculous question. And I think it does betray the lack of knowledge about female anatomy. The vagina is not external, it is internal. It, it does it go beyond the labia or the lips. Mm. I mean, those... I think that that kind of confusion is where, and I've seen magistrates even do this. Yeah, it's but uh, you know, fortunately, the confusion only resided with the, with the advocate because everybody yeah. seems to have been clear on on yes. on, on, on on the anatomy. I, I want to play, and and thank you for coming to come for coming back for for coming back and jumping in as you as you did, um, uh, Lisa. And please feel free uh, going forward to do so. I want to play another clip, and this is a final clip, and this goes to the role of judges versus lawyers and 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 just how uh court court rooms and courts should 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 operate i move on i request an opportunity to prove this statement by consulting with the police officer who took it down by calling her to testify i think not before this witness finishes you can do that after she finishes she's just, she's just done with the testimony Lord, i believe i'm entitled <coughs> to prove it now you, you can carry on with other aspects, Mr. Dobberman, because we don't have to waste time. It's, it, it, we, we can still finish off this witness and then you can do that. I'm not saying that you're not entitled to do so. You are entitled to do so. You can do that after you've finished. If there's a need for her to be recalled, you recall it. But at this stage, we are not going to adjourn to allow you to call a witness while she's still uh, testifying. What I'm saying to you is that if you feel, after having consulted with that police officer, having done with this witness that you still need it, then we will recall him for that purpose. But at this stage, let us proceed with your cross-examination. Lord, with respect, I'm entitled <clears throat> to prove the statement now, if I want to. You, you, you may be entitled, Mr. Government. I'm not saying you're not entitled, but what I'm saying to you is that you can do so after you are done with their cross-examination. No, my Lord, I'm entitled to do it before I come I'm ruling, Mr. Government, that you must carry on. You are not going to call that witness. Oh, my Lord. It's my ruling. My Lord. I must object to your Lordship's ruling with respect. I've done it already. If, if you're no, not I understand that, my Lord, but yes. I want to submit to your Lordship <clears throat> that you should first hear me and you should allow me to argue the point properly before you make a ruling. I think and not to decide the point before you even heard me on the point. Yes, I think I've heard you. So what I insist and what I'm telling you, the ruling, my ruling is, you are going to finish off with this witness, and then consult with whoever you want to consult, and then thereafter, if you need her again, then she'll be recalled. That's my opinion. I'm not foreclosing you calling any witness. You have a right to do so, and if you're not happy with what I'm saying, you have a recourse. You know what you are entitled to do, then you do it. Lord, I'm not going to close. I'm not going to. I'm not going to conclude my cross-examination until I've had an opportunity to prove this statement. But I'll carry on on other points. Exactly, that's what I'm requesting you to do. No, my Lord, you're requesting me to conclude my cross-examination. That's, that's, you know, um, 
I, you know, if, if, you're, if you're listening and you are in the studio and I was watching the demeanor of, of my colleagues in, in, in the studio, just at, at this, and, and I'm curious, you know, having observed you gentlemen, both James and, and Tyron, what do you think of, of what we've just heard? James? I, I, I was just struggling to actually follow what, mm. was, what was going on um, because I'm trying to extract from it all what was actually being asked and what the judge was insisting on. It sounded to me as if the uh, counsel was saying he wants to prove something. Judge was saying, well, you know what, finish up with this witness. If you need her again, you can recall that's right. her. That's exactly right. Yeah. And that's and the counsel, counsel wanted to interpose a witness. So counsel's got a witness on the stand who's, as I understand it, made a statement. And um, counsel's views are, well, that statement is not accurate. And in fact, we think we've got a witness who's a police officer who can speak to that issue. So we want to stop you where you are. Uh, witness on the stand, call that witness who is an understanding police officer to come to speak to this particular issue. And when we're done speaking to this issue, so it's a bit rebuttal. But, but I mean, I mean, uh, gentlemen, yeah. in what world have you heard well, it doesn't exist. an objection against a, ju- a judge? So he says, ruling. I object yeah. to your ruling. Is that even, does it happen in law? No. And in fact, I mean, the judge, I must say, the judge is 100% correct. With due respect to my, to my learned friend, the judge is 100% correct. The, the proper procedures, when you've got a witness on the stand, yeah. they, you've got examination, you've got cross-examination, re-examination if necessary. They complete their, their testimony. And if necessary, they can be recalled later. Yes. But you cannot have a situation where witnesses on, is understand they make a statement and you then believe that, well, you want to rebut just a portion, just one part of what they've just yes. said by calling another witness and then calling them later and to speak. It doesn't work. Like if we, if yeah. that was ever allowed, we'd never ever finish yeah. any examination or cross examination. Yeah, Tyrone's absolutely right. But decorum as well. I mean, is, 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 is there no. Well, here's of, the other problem. Here's yeah. the other practical problem and why that's not possible. Yeah. Straightforward, not possible. What we're busy with is the state's case right now. Yeah. How is it that Doberman is going to call a witness for the for the defense? But, but my, 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 my the, biggest gripe the is of the, of my the, biggest gripe is surely as a presiding officer, um, when I say I've made a ruling, mm-hmm. that that's where it should end. And when somebody then following that, and he actually goes as far as saying, not only does he say I object to your ruling, he goes as far as saying I'm not going to do that. So he's telling you know, it's, it's telling the judge he's essentially refusing. Yeah to do what the judge is saying he must do. Mm. And, 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 and this is, you know, um, we're all officers of the court. Uh, I, 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 you know, that's the point, um, uh, James, yeah. if you will. I mean, the problem is that in the heat of, of battle, mm. which it is. With uh, the judge. In the heat of battle, you will sometimes be called out yeah. by a presiding officer and you're not going to like it, and the judge is angry, and you're angry, and you exchange words, and you have to do so respectfully. Correct. At any moment, that judge could have said, you are being, you're in contempt. That's right. Um, so the judge has that, and uh, one needs to always proceed with, with, with great caution. But of course, in, in the engagement that, that happens in our courts on a daily basis, this sort of robust engagement yeah. happens. I mean, if I may just add, and you're right, James, but if I may just add, I mean, if you're ever going to do that, you better make sure that you're right. 
No, no, no. But even well, if I know, right, I know. No, but no, that's no, what I'm saying. I don't condone but, but, it. I don't and, condone and, it one second. So, you know, you know, Taran. So imagine this: you're not always going to agree with what the judge is saying, mm-hmm. but there has to be decorum. There well, has to be, you know, and that's why there's appeal because at appeal you can say, and 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 he could have simply said, Judge, you've made a ruling. I respect your ruling. Mm-hmm. However, yeah. I must note, I must. Re- yeah. For well, the record, can I ask, say, yeah. express my discontent. Well, can I ask this question yeah. then? Is it appropriate up until the ruling is made? Because it's, initially it was a debate between them up on the point. There was, well, it there wasn't was really a debate. The judge was ruling. Well, I'm, just, I'm simply you saying the mean? ruling came later. It became a debate well, because he was he did, argumentative. No, no, no. He didn't rule initially. I'm simply yeah. saying there was a discussion and exchange between them initially. Sure, fair enough. And ultimately the judge said, well, we've had the debate. I've now made my ruling. Mm. He then proceeded thereafter and they agreed with it. It's inappropriate. The ruling has been made. Yeah. And that's when he told them, well, if you don't like it, you know what you need to do, which yeah. is also correct but the question that i'm asking is prior to the ruling having been made and there was an exchange is it fair that they, they no no you can engage you can engage correct, in a respectful b- exactly because we you know we if 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 everybody expressed the exact thoughts at every moment in a courtroom whether it's against your opponent against a judge against you know you we would it, it wouldn't be uh, what we know uh, lisa your concluding remarks i do think that this is a case that should make us re- um examine and rethink the way cross-examination is done. Mm-hmm. Rape has been dealt with in ways that are very discriminatory for centuries. It's been surrounded by rules of evidence like the cautionary rule um, around sexual assault complaints, even though it's not in place. Mm. But I mean, I think do mean they start from a bit of a disadvantage. Um, and so I do think there is a necessity to be able to go back and rethink this. I mean, you work on the principle that justice must be seen to be done. Mm. Um, and obviously one is not necessarily arguing for populist forms of justice. But I think people do have seen this and do feel that there is something unjust here. Thank you. Uh, I'm going to close on that note. Thank you so much, Lisa, for, for talking to us. And uh, I appreciate you coming on to the show. And uh, gentlemen, to you, uh, Tyrone Maseko, uh, James Grant. Thank you so much, gentlemen. Pleasure. Pleasure. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, hopefully um, hopefully um, there will be better uh, sort of uh, <laughs> I don't want to say control because then it seems as if I'm criticizing um, anybody, which which I don't seek to do. But but hopefully, you know, sort of there's a better ventilation of issues uh, that sort of encourages confidence in, in, our, in our legal system going forward. We'll certainly be watching this trial. Um, for me, Michael Matoning Bill, it's been a very good show and I look forward to, to being with you again next weekend. From me, good night. Stay tuned. Stay tuned to Kaya FM for more.